about to listen to the words and teachings of Pastor Shola Oshimakide of the household of David. Be blessed. Hallelujah. There is none like Jesus. But the Bible says that shall the captive of the mighty be set free and shall the prey of the terrible be delivered. But the Bible says, Thus said, even the captive of the mighty. Where is that scripture? Isaiah 49. Let's read before we take our seats. There is a message from there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Today is someone's day. Hallelujah. This is what is echoing from the realm of the spirit. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> oh, we bless your name. Let's start from verse 23. The Bible says, or 24, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? <laughs> Who is a lawful captive? Somebody captured lawfully. Somebody that did something, what judgment, and now the judgment is upon the person. Somebody that made a mistake. Someone that aborted and lost her womb, and now she's in Christ. She's a lawful captive. Somebody that smoked so much, and now he has tuberculosis. But the Bible says, <laughs> redemption is powerful. Hallelujah. God is not going to look at what led the person there. He said, even the lawful captive. This is why those who think that God will punish people for what they've done wrong, they are wrong. That is what they've done wrong as in somebody, you know, somebody said that, oh, you know, if you're a Christian and then, you know, you've done many things in the past, it doesn't mean when you, when you now get born again or you turn to God, you will still reap the consequence of what you have done. Well, it's not exactly so. Why some things are irreversible, the mercy of God is great. For instance, if a Christian, somebody, or a brother, has impregnated a lady before becoming a Christian, that you are born again does not mean the baby will die. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? So that is irreversible. Amen. Hallelujah. But there is grace in Christ. Hallelujah. So that in Jesus Christ, any condition can be reversed. Not minding what led to the condition. That's what we are saying. So there may be lawful captives here this morning. You made a mistake in the office and it's about to catch up with you. There is redemption. There is mercy in Christ. There is a seed that is called mercy seed. Over there, we win all debates. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. If any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things are passed away. We don't go around doing wrong stuff. But mistakes are made at times. But there is provision for our mistakes. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 I don't know. I feel in my spirit. Some are wrongly invested. And it's like you are suffering from the cause. But it has come to an end today. Because the mercy of God will lift you like he lifted the ark of Noah. Grace is speaking for you. Hallelujah. 
concerning what we're talking about, I, I just saw that some have made wrong choices in marriage. And now they are married. You know, if you are not married, all you need to do is that correct the choice. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the Bible says that seek the Lord while you may find him. Alright? But those who are already married and then you you just did some and then now now it's choking you. I'm speaking to you. Even lawful captives shall be set free. Amen. But I'm talking to unmarried ones this morning, right? That I can see some married people here. We said for November, first service will be for those not married and second service will be for married. And, you know, I understand some people, this service is convenient for you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk about why God created marriage this morning from God's perspective. And because I'm talking to those I'm assuming are not married, I wanted to look at uh, important things. I will talk about two or three that you should consider. That is the purpose of marriage. So if you are going to get married, if you are trying to date somebody, these are three things of, there are five actually, but I'm going to start from three, or I think I can only cover three today, that you should look at, they are the questions that you should ask yourself, they are what you want to measure and size your partner by. And if you discover that, if these are not the reasons why you are considering getting married, then you are already wrong from the beginning. Because the word of God must be your reason, and what the Bible says about marriage must be what must guide you into wanting to make a choice. Hallelujah. So there are reasons why people get married. But there are, there, there are reasons in the word of God or God's expectation. God's reason for setting up marriage. And anyone that wants to have a good time must let God's reasons or God's own uh, uh, reason for setting up marriage prevail over what people are saying. Culture or what your body is even saying. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me? So until a man sits down or a woman and you first of all find out, okay, so from God's perspective, what does he expect me? What does he expect marriage to look like? If I say I want to get married, you know, uh, everywhere you get into in life, in university, that I call, you have to write jam, you have to write SSC to enter university, and when you're, for secondary school, they call it common entrance, because it's common. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and then you have... Anything, you want to get a job, you do an interview, and they tell you what is expected of you, that will, then they, they write you a letter, send you a mail, that they've taken you for that job, specifying what you are coming to do, and how much you are going to receive, based on what you are going to do. Marriage is about the only thing that people get into, without understanding the terms and the condition, of what the Bible says about this, and that gets people into trouble. Why do we get married as Christians? What does God look like? What does He look at when He wants a Christian to get married? Or what does He expect? Why did He set up this stuff? Because they say when purpose is not known, abuse is worth, and it is true. Hallelujah! You will ultimately abuse whatever thing you have that you don't know the purpose. So, what is God's purpose for marriage? We have to understand this. Now, I didn't say ahead of time about the question and answer part. But so if you have one, you can ask the ushers to give you paper if you don't want them to know. Or you don't want us to know that you are the one asking the question. So let's protect you all. <laughs> but if you are bold about your question, you can lift up your hand. They will give you a mic wherever you are, you know. Um, I know that all over the world we are trained in gospel churches to just preach and let people go. But you see, when Jesus was here on earth, people used to interrupt him with questions. Have you noticed? Jesus, during his sermon, will stop to answer questions. Every now and then, we're always asking him questions. Because at times, when you don't hear from people, you don't know the peculiarity of their situation. 
some things are not general. Amen. You understand? So, um, you know, a, li- a lady, a guy told a pastor that, I want to stay away from my wife for a while. The pastor started chastising. How can you leave your wife? Stay away from her. And blah, blah, blah. Because they didn't allow him to talk. Well, he moved away anyway. But later when they were asking, he told the pastor, she, has, she stabbed him 11 times. Over the period of two years of getting married. She would just, she had this anger and I just get her and she would pick an object and she would choke the guy. So he escaped death 11 times. She actually wanted to stab him to kill him. But somehow he would block it and it would land on the shoulder or something. So in that case, you know, where there is domestic violence, it's important to, to tell the people to go away for a while. Even if there's going to be intervention, nowadays people are dying because of bashes. <laughs> Amen. But that's not our fault. So if you have a question, you can ask it. Hallelujah. Let's say Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I, I, want, I want us to look at something from there. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. The more you know these things, the more peaceful your home will become. And for you that are aspiring to get married, all of you that are here, it will help you in evaluating the person that you are dating or you are planning to date. Now, those who have been following me in this series, if you are not in a relationship, you are blessed already. Because you have the opportunity to sit down back and evaluate before me. However, I want to tell you something. There is a big difference. And when we were praying this morning, I said to a leader, there is a big difference in knowing what is good and doing what is good. You can know something is right and not do it. All the places that I've been invited to preach, before I used to cry. Many of you don't know I cry over something. Nowadays, I don't again. You know, you know it's... it's uh, I'm, I'm praying that Lord, I hope I'm not developing a hard, hard heart. You know that when you go to the hospital and you see the emergency ward and you see them bringing somebody with the flesh dangling, with the bone showing, you will almost faint. But those nurses, will you shut up? Stop making noise. Have you seen that before? They are not moved. In some cases, say the person will not pay. They will be looking at the person like this. Now you are the one passing out. You know why? It's not that they are hard. They've seen that too many times. So it has become a common thing. Whatever you see repeatedly, historically, like when, when were you now? When I was in UI, most medical students, the first time they will put a dead body before them to do you somehow for some. But for some other people that are hard like Dr. Bailey, they might not feel it. You know, some people are hard. They just, but for many people, <laughs> the first time, they call it cadaver, right? a dead body. How did you feel the first time you saw one? <laughs> Where is Doctor Doctor the first time you saw a, a, a real human body, how did you feel? Eh? You took a deep breath. <laughs> so for some but you see after a while. And when they ask you to start cutting this person, sometimes your conscience is telling you that ah, this is human being I caught it. But you see if you cut, cut, cut after a while, it doesn't mean anything to you again. Somebody went to a center where they were embalming dead bodies one time. And the person was shot. As they were through with somebody, just pushed the person down. He, as this person was landing, the guy was doing like this. So the man said, what's your problem? They are dead. <laughs> the man is gone. You know, on the table, they were someone and they will push, go on the floor. So right now, oh, like, so they noticed, oh boy, why are you shaking? <laughs> and we're looking at all these people, like, this is what I mean. <laughs> you know, over and over again. Soldiers will tell you that the first time in a, in a comeback, that they first shot somebody, 
If you are a soldier, when you pull the trigger and take a life, the first time it will do you some harm. Except for some, they said some soldiers from the beginning, the desire is there. I want to kill somebody. <laughs> but for the normal ones, you know, <laughs> but you see, after shooting repeatedly, it gets to a time to carry a more tank and blast, it doesn't mean anything to you again. Because you do it repeatedly. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, you can know something, but you might not do it. People have been listening to me. I've gone to places to teach about relationship, and no matter what, at the end of the day, some still make their choices. They will know inside them that this is not the way to go. But they will choose to follow circumstances. Because some of them do not know that from the parable of the sower, every message will be tested. As you receive a word from God, the Bible said that when persecution arose for the sake of the word, when the word is sown in your heart, it attracts, before it is rooted, before it produces result, it will first face trial. When they teach you about laws of health in the Bible, or the grace, the divine word, over health, what Jesus has provided, it's likely symptoms will visit you shortly after. And the purpose is to get you to drop what you have just learned. So it's not automatic. Hallelujah. Amen. So what we've been sharing about marriage, about everything there will be, but the, the bottom line is this, and I don't know, for some reason, before going into Ecclesiastes for night to start talking about the purpose of marriage, I'm, I'm saying this to let you, are you, you know, Jesus started where we started from Matthew 19. When they asked Jesus a question, he said, it's because of the hardness of your heart. When I pray for married people, the first thing I pray is that the hardness of the heart should be broken. See, if you are not a spiritual man or woman, hardness of the heart is what stops you from choosing God's ways above your ways. Many times I've found out that when people come to meet a, counsel, a pastor, when people have any issues in marriage, what each person wants. The man wants to hear that the wife is the problem. The wife wants to, you to tell her that the husband is the problem. And once you don't say the husband is the problem, they, she might even start arguing with you or he might start arguing with you. It is called hardness of heart. It makes you overlook your flaws. The word of God is trying to do something in you. Rather you are transferred to that person. It should be the one that should change. And I've always asked a person a question. You will have a fantastic time in courtship and in marriage if you have made up your mind that regardless of what the other person does, you will do your own thing, what you want to do. If as a man I'm supposed to be patient, whether my wife wants to be patient or not, I, if I can get to a point where I, I won't say that, she will determine what I do. When she talk, why, why would I talk about when she's talking? Have I accepted the fact that I should keep quiet? If I've accepted, regardless of whether she wants to talk or not, I have started a real Christian race in the family. But if I'm still on this issue that it is her, until she, until she, until. How, how many marriages have been wrecked by this attitude? Wanting the other person to make the first move. Don't you see the way it talks? The way, so I shouldn't answer him. And no matter what you tell them, even though when she is doing devotion in the morning, as she's praying, she knows that God doesn't want me to behave like this. He knows that God doesn't want me to behave like this. But when the other person starts, she takes it up. He starts also. And then in the morning, he's feeling sorry that no, as, he, as she's praying, as she's praying that like, this is not the right thing for a Christian to have. But when the person starts, you take it up again. So you have not accepted the word inside you to change your heart. It is called hardness of hearts. Hallelujah. I know the Bible says the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, does not receive the things of the Spirit. 
He said because they are spiritually designed. They are foolishness to him. So when we teach at times, the greatest thing you can teach about marriage is to teach people to walk by the fruit of the Spirit. When you are deeply rooted in the fruits of the Spirit, it will help you. So if you are not yet, but these are the things you should walk upon. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. Must you talk back? I've convinced myself a long time ago, I have nothing to lose if you pour all your dirty words on me and I don't respond. It doesn't make me a loser. Must I talk back? Hey, come, come, let me, no, 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 come, come, no. let me give, let me, <laughs> you know, I'm more familiar with Yoruba tribe, they will even say that, wow, 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 don't go like that, come and hear, you know, why? So if you stand before me and you pour those words, you are useless, pastor, and you say all those things, and you go away, so if I don't respond, does that make me anything? And I've trained myself that if I don't, I will not answer you, and it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't change anything. At all. Hallelujah. Amen. I cannot be trading words and be shouting with somebody, that wife or somebody I'm living with, somebody. See all you have to say. And the sincere truth is that what you say, say it doesn't affect what I'm going to do next. If I was going to Chinese restaurant before you all your shouts, when you finish with your shouts, I will still go there and have a fantastic time. All your things, they fall outside. They cannot affect who I am inside. And then they don't change me from loving you. You have just made me to understand a few more things about yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are, are you with me? That, that's, that's, that's the truth. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. But have you been getting blessed this week? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Before I... I this is supposed to take us on board. I can't go beyond November. Of course, there will be another November. We will do maybe April or March and November next year. That we do family week again where we talk about. Because I have not even gone into physical appearance and all those things. But we've been talking about the foundation, some very important things. When people start having issues, appearance does not matter again. Hope you know. Uh, however beautiful you think your wife is, however handsome you think your husband, there are certain things if she does it to you. She will look like a monster in spite of her beauty. He will look like a beast in spite of his beauty. That's the truth. So physical appearance is so small. And that is about all people put their attention on. This thing doesn't go beyond first one month after wedding. If you love a woman, no matter the figure, whatever you see physically, after having sex with her, after my repeatedly, 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 that aspect goes. Other things are now what will sustain the marriage. And remember, I've always told you that your wife looks somehow does not stop any other girl from looking that way. That you have a beautiful wife does not make other women ugly. Hope you understand. Praise the Lord. So you have to put things where they belong. So you marry handsome man does not mean that there will not be handsome men again all over town. So let things be the way they are. Or put things where they belong. Hallelujah. Let's read Ecclesiastes 4. This is very powerful. The wisest man in Old Testament said this. Hallelujah. Let's start from verse 9. Are you there? The Bible says two are better than one. <laughs> Remember I started with the Almighty God with His own sovereign declaration that it is not good that man should be alone. So all single brothers here. Some of them that I've known for years. That you've been single and you are still single. I'm exactly wondering what your plan is. I can understand the women. They have to wait for a man to come to them. But what are you waiting for as a man? 
You have been raised a priest after the order of Pastor Billy. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You know, a priest after Melchizedek. <laughs> Amen. Because I heard some people will say job, they will say that they do have, he has everything. I'm just wondering what's going on. Amen. Or should we say after the order of Pastor Chigose? It's not here also. You, you just wonder, Lord, what's going on? <laughs> I have almost, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've been on Pastor Bailey's throat like this. We still spoke last week. I was waiting to preach somewhere. When I finished preaching, we were coming back on. I said, Billy, what is happening? <laughs> you know, personally, I know about three beautiful ladies, spirit-filled, who like, who like him. They like him. And I mentioned the name of one that possibly what is happening. And he said, You see, Pastor, Pastor is not really. I said, Well, I can't force you. I'm just wondering. Amen. Maybe we start giving wives to some people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are, are, you, are, you, are you with me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I was the last time about Chico was here because of what I said about him that uh, he was beginning to receive some messages from some people. Ah, <laughs> ladies are wonderful. <laughs> you know, a fine boy working in a company, spirit field. What else? I say, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Even me, I'm the one causing all this one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the Bible says two are better than one. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm just reading the Bible. <laughs> Two are better than one. And God said it is not good for man to be. And then uh, Hebrews 13 says marriage is honorable. So these are, these, these are scriptures supporting the fact that it's better, not to be, it's better to be in a relationship than to be alone. That is, of course, it's not compulsory. Marriage is not compulsory. But in God's, from God's perspective, it is better. That's what the Bible is saying. Now the Bible says that two are better than one. Number one. Because they have good reward for their labor. That's where I want to start from. I will come to that. Verse 10. If they fall, this is the number two reason. The number one good reward is number one. Number two, one will lift up his fellow. But one thing that is a low, when he falls, there is no order to help. A person can be married and still be alone. And it's happening in many marriages. Alone in your planning, alone in your thinking, alone in your word, even though you are cohabiting with somebody in the house. But the Bible said that it is not good for man to be alone. And if you were around last week, I established the fact that, and that is part of what I was under the first one. Assignments. About the most important thing to go is the starting point of knowing who you can marry and who cannot marry. Let's say this clearly. Listen to me. If a man does not know what God has called him to do, I'm not saying the guy being called to be a pastor. No, because with reduced calling to pastor, it's just an aspect of call. People are called to different things. Daniel was not a pastor. Joseph was not a pastor. If a man doesn't understand God's assignment for his life, and you tag along as a woman, you are walking on a dangerous terrain. This is very important. Because when God created the first man, he brought a woman to help. So we, we discovered that last week that it's not help mate. It is help meet. And they say, I will go to that one day. A huge difference between the two. But I explained a bit of help meet last week. He looked at what he gave man to do. He looked at his assignment, present and future, and the past of the man. 
So he gave him a woman that will meet that desire, meet that need in him. I'm not talking about a man seeing visions, seeing angels. But a man should know, a Christian man should know by his spirit, the direction his life is going. Before he has somebody. So we say future partner because there has to be a future first. So you don't follow a man. And some people, you, some of the important questions sisters should be asking before that, they don't ask. Do you get to ask the person what God's assignment for your life? He might be a pharmacist. But he knows exactly that with this pharmaceutical business, this is what God wants me to do with it. Does he have a clear picture and direction spiritually? Oh, have you read Genesis chapter 18? God bragged about Abraham. As those angels stood, you know, stood, when he wanted to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham hosted God and gave God food and God ate. When you want to fast, don't visit people. When you visit people and they give you food, eat. I believe it's unscriptural to say you are not eating when they give you food because you are fasting. Except, of course, it's accidental. Why do you want to go and be? Because Jesus said, whatever he said, for it's a command. He said, eat. And have you noticed that Jesus never rejected anything? Even Pharisees that didn't like it, when they put food, they ate it. And then argument will start after that. Uh, he will be eating, I'll be answering their question. A woman came to pour oil on him, but he was eating the food. He knew the Pharisees never liked him, but he never said no. There is no record in the Bible where Jesus said no to any invitation to food. The Bible says, and the Saturday Pharisees bade him to come to his house. And he just went there. So, and he didn't stop there. When he was leaving, he told us, so he said, all of you, my disciples, when you enter a city and they set a food before you, and they say, whatever they say, say, mama, whatever they say before you. <laughs> Eat without asking question. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Christianity is wonderful when you have the liberty of the Spirit. Are you with me? So, when I mentioned that was, that was a lie, later he used to say that to people. Don't fast when you say, when I mentioned all of them that visited in there, he forced them to eat. I said, Look, you have other days to fast, not when you come to my house. Because when you come to my house, he said, Lord, everybody that entered this house, you must eat with us. So he said, The day you are fasting, don't come to my house. But when you come and you are on a fast, he will tell you that God has answered your prayer. So eat now. <laughs> I know it was that anointed. And truly, your prayer will be answered, whatever you pray in But now that you enter my house, eat. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. The <laughs> Let's read again. Now, what to him that is sorry? When one falls, another one will help him. That's number three. Let's have again from verse 9. They are good reward for their labor. That's number one. Verse 10. The Bible says, go on, verse 10. If they fall, one will help the other one. Verse 11. I want to pick out some things from this verse. That's what we're reading. If two lie together, then they have it. But how can one be warm alone? There is body heat. And that's what many people are familiar with. That talks about sex and romance. But there is also heart heat. It's not in your body that gets cold. Your heart gets cold also. We will come to all these things probably next week. And then, um, how can one be warm alone? Verse 12. If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. Number four, that talks about being a partner to win battles of life. Two powerful people forming an alliance, becoming a war against the attacks of the enemy. What your husband to be can never. That is why, and I said it last week, and this is the truth. It's happening to some guys right now here. See, all your prayers are your confessions. 
your tank is full of blessing in heaven. But it will manifest physically when you find the right woman. That's why the Bible said that you have a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. It's as if God looks at you and he says, okay, let's crown your efforts with a blessing now. Take a woman. If it's the woman that is given by the Lord. Because if not the Lord, it will be a thorn in the flesh. Are you with me? So some guys have been wondering what has happened to all their confession. They confess prosperity, abundance, grace. Your confession is working. But you see, the way it works, for instance now, you already have the TV in your house. You already have the AC in your house. But you see, if you use generator, if you don't power them, they are not going to come on. Hallelujah. There has to be, even though those things are there, something must happen that brings life to them. For many people, as you've been confessing, you bought the AC spirit, you bought the setting, you bought the TV. What you are waiting for is just that contact with the right woman. And that's what she's waiting for also, for her life to have a total meaning. Then she will understand why she's feeling with 2-1, or with 2-2, two two, or with pass. In a good marriage, all the things of the past will have meaning. Their life will find meaning. Somebody was in school, you sang, 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 and now it's like him, you wasted your time singing, now you're feeling with 2-2, two, two, whatever. When the right person is met, you will discover something good will come out of it. Regardless of the course you have studied, regardless of what has happened, I told you of Esther and Mordecai. Mordecai was a tough uncle. The Bible says Esther never disobeyed him once. That means he never got the chance of speaking or really answering back. But that paid off later. When all the girls were to visit the king, it was only Esther that asked the chief Enoch, What do I do? Because she was used to following step to step instruction from Mordecai. And that didn't help her. Everything in your life. Look at Rebecca. By the time the servant sat down and he said, Oh God of my master Abraham, let it be the woman. When Rebecca came, the Isaac servant prayed the prayer. Abraham's servant prayed the prayer. That's Genesis 24. Pray the prayer. He said, Any woman that comes here, if I say, Give me water, and she gives me water, and she says by herself, Let me water your animal. So that's the woman. That prayer landed on the woman who had prepared herself. When Rebecca came, the guy just said, can, can you give me water? I said, okay, I will give you water. After he said, can I give your animals water too? But go and check very well. Read further. When they got to their house, they found that Rebecca had a senior brother called Laban, who had camels. What used to happen was that Laban, remember the way he dealt with Jacob. He was a very cruel man. He used to force Rebecca to fetch water for those animals. In Christ Jesus, when we are on God's purpose, every mistake is turned to blessing. And now, some of the ugly stories of the past, some of the oppressions that you suffered in the past, when you are on the right lane with God, they become an asset. It is true that it turns a mess to message. You're on page with him. That is when that I'm 37, I'm not yet married. Why am I married at 38? That's what it will make sense. Those who wait upon the Lord. So everything will start for everything because God has a plan for each person. And your timetable is different from that of any other person. You have to understand this. All of us are not running the same shadow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? If everyone is patient. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not uh, advocating necessarily for, okay, people should wait for it. No, but I'm just saying that God has a way. So, the first thing everybody here that I wanted to go on, next week we look at all the every woman and every man every man you should ask yourself don't even ask a lady out 
until you understand God's assignment for your life. Because that is what a woman is coming to be part of. If you don't set this very well, your marriage will be like that of every other person. Good wine will finish early and all other wines will follow. Like it's happening to many people. Hallelujah. Amen. Companionship is enjoyed better when you're on the same page. I hope you know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So this is very, very important. Hallelujah. So that's the first thing Solomon pointed out. And that's, it, that's the whole truth. It's the first thing you should give attention to. What is the assignment? What is assignment? And every woman, the moment a guy is getting close, this is the question you want to find out. Don't be impressed about this car. In your assignment, in you understanding your man's assignment and being part of it, provisions are there already in the assignment. Hallelujah. You know, it is true that television is out of the vision. The vision will produce television. But television can never produce vision. Are you following me? Don't pay attention to all those things. Put them, at least put them second level. Don't let them be the first thing you want to look at. Somebody comes around, he can have 30 cars. He can live in VGC or whatever. He might not have a clue as to what God has called him to do. Stay away. He's not yet ready for you. It's not that kind of person. Don't be part of that. When a man for too long stays away outside God's plan, he will have one of these two choices. Either to get back to God and start all over again, or the prince of this world will arrest him, he will still blow and do great things, but only do them for the devil. The Bible says, Aaron are the children of God manifest and the children of the devil. Many Christians don't know that there is no connection between the two. Everybody walking on the face of the heart either has God as their father or Satan. There is no middle ground. Some Christians don't know. You think because some people are good people. So it has no come from Christians that you don't understand that there is nobody good before God. Let that sink. And for those who are getting angry, how can God create people and destroy them? You can't accuse a creator. So if you build sound now and in your house you build sound up and use your legs to kick, can anybody question your integrity or your righteousness for doing that? It's your mind. Hallelujah. No man can be good before God. It's impossible. You give to the point, you know, before who are we talking about? All righteousness are like filthy right before him. You are standing before the judge of the world, the oldest of all, and you think you are clean before God? <laughs> <laughs> you have to be wrapped by the blood. Outside that, there is nothing. Many years back, I will close with this. It was part of the way that told us the story. Many, many years back, when he first became the Jew of Redeem, he used to pride himself in that holiness message and everything. He was in, I think, Sarah Light, Ishobe, Zachariah, Tanifarum's conference. That the man just finished preaching and they asked for a brief worship as interlude. As they were worshiping, he sat back and he put his head on the chair and he was taken away from this realm. He found himself. He said, the decision they gave us, what you see in Revelation, it's all like millions of angels are not white. They are like color of water. That's how an, an angel looks like. He said he saw millions of on the right and on the left, and he saw a being who sat on the throne just staring at him with light beaming. And he, all of a sudden, he looked at himself. He was stark naked with dead, like somebody like digging out a puzzle from the mud. And he said he turned this way. The angel just moved and don't stay not. <laughs> and he turned this way. The angel moved and don't stay not. And then he woke up back in the hall. And those people told that God just wanted to show him that outside me, all the rules you are keeping, that's how we see you. Feel this. 
and I won't look at a woman twice. A man that won't touch him that does not belong to him. When he found himself before the throne, he saw himself. You know, the same thing Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, he was like one to this one. Isaiah chapter 2, one to this one. Chapter 3, one to this When they go chapter, they said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. When he saw God, you know what he said, one to me. <laughs> because when you stand before the presence of the king, you will quickly know that number one, you are nobody. And that number two, outside the provision of the finished world, you want nothing. When people talk, it's because they haven't, when you see God, you humble yourself. I won't say what Job said. I've heard thee by the end of my night, my eyes as he said, that, therefore I humble myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you see, because Job was talking to God the answer for a while. One day, just started to say, Who is this that darkens counsel? With words. Who is this fool talking? And he said, Job, stand as a man. Let's talk. Maybe you can talk. He said, where were you when I created thunder? <laughs> and God was bombarding with questions. That do you know where light is coming from? Do you know the process of rain? And Job just saw, then he said that, I know I have opened my mouth to say things too big for me. He said, now I have bore myself. I hate my, I'm sorry. And the Lord said, okay, we are not, uh, I just, you know, I'm going to help you, but then, first of all, you must realize a few things. And that's the truth. Many of you listening to me, if you see an angel alone, you will faint. But I those who pray that you want to see an angel, wrong prayer. If you see one, <laughs> you'll see pictures in books that they write angels, small baby with wings, fat, fat baby. <laughs> that's what that's what you think, angel. <laughs> I told you before this church. Why do you think their open salutation is always fear not? Is fear not a greeting? It's not greeting. Greeting should be a low. But all through the Bible, everybody angels appeared to the first thing they said was fear not because those people were preparing to run. So they just say they, they have to calm you down. If they appear to you the same way, they have to calm you down first. Before they give you the message, it might take a long time to calm you down. If you see an angel, you will faint. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> An average angel is huge and big. They can lift you. I don't know whether some of you have been in a place of worship before that. You just receive a touch. You find yourself meters away from where you are worshiping. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the truth. So they have to tell you that fear not. If you see one, you will not want to see again. <laughs> you say, Lord, let your spirit speak to me. There's no point. I will follow whatever you say. There's no point saying it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody say the assignment. Say it again. The assignment. You must unravel the purpose why God has sent you into this world. Every Christian, Ephesians 2.11, where is workmanship created in Christ. Every one of us, we have an assignment. We are called for a reason. Let's rise. Thank you for listening to the teaching of Pastor Shola Oshumakinde. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Twin Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.